for soil, that accumulation of lives piled up by death that gives new life for the justice of the earth that gave me about as many weeds and wilt and scab and bugs as vegetables, but in the end gave me enough for what I need. For hands, those miracles on the ends of my arms that let me tend my vegetables and pull my weeds, and for mind enough to know the difference between the two. For calluses, life's defense against that softness that makes survival difficult. For the ability to work and the will to work and the work to do and the time to do it in. And finally, for that sense of kinship to it all, that singleness, that unity, that is the basis of faith. So the reading I'd like to share with you all this morning actually invites your participation. There will be particular moments where you will hear me say, hey, hey, and you say, hey, ain't that good news? Got it? Shall we practice? Hey, ain't that good news? Woohoo! This is by John Corrado, or as I would say Corrado, which is probably not the way he says it, but that's all right. We believe there is a place at God's table for each and every child of earth. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe the giver of life has been given many names and loves the givers of all of them. Hey, ain't that good news? We are more interested in getting heaven into people now than getting people into heaven later. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe religious scriptures are open doors rather than sealed vaults. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe there is still some holy writ yet to be written. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe true evangelism is more preaching practiced than practiced preaching. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe peace and justice are not just words we form with our lips, but realities we shape with our lives. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe in one human race. Hey, ain't that good news? We believe we are one with stars and trees and tigers and rivers and all the stuff of life. Hey. Ain't that good news? We believe our lives are all about growing hearts that love, minds that seek, and hands that serve. Hey, ain't that good news? Amen. If we had a creed in Unitarian Universalism, that might be it, wouldn't it? But we don't, because we're not obedient. Thank goodness. <laughs> Ain't that good news? <laughs> I have to say that, you know, over the years of my life, my ideas of what goodness is 
have changed a lot. Maybe yours have too. I remember as a, as a small child, I couldn't have used the words at that time to explain it to you, but, but looking back, I, I know that I knew, or I had this idea growing up in, in one of those family spaces that was chaotic and you know, even shaped by trauma, that goodness, that me being good, basically meant me not getting into trouble. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember the Monty Python skits. Do you remember the advantages of not being seen? <laughs> this I resonated with. Right. So not, not being seen, not being perhaps the cause of discord was, was being good. Being quiet was being good. I had to smile because even in today's story, when the bad seed has his seed trauma, he ends up in a dark place, doesn't he? He ends up in a bag and nobody can see him. I learned that if I worked really, really hard not to break the rules, that that would mean that I was being good. And as I grew a little bit older, I, I began to add to that knowledge, and maybe some of you did too. I began to understand that being good was also somehow understanding what the rules were, what the, what the spoken rules were, and what the unspoken rules were. And, and I wasn't always really very good at following those rules. Not because I didn't try, I did. Being good in school, for example, or even being good at home, meant knowing how to fulfill the expectations of the big people who seemed to be making the rules. And those expectations weren't always super clear or super consistent. Now, I don't remember everything that happened to me last week or even yesterday, but I remember my second grade teacher whose name was Mrs. Griggs. I don't think she had a first name. <laughs> Mrs. Griggs was a, a real shock to my young system because... Mostly, she was not Miss Froshauer, who was my first grade teacher, who was so nice to us little first graders and so kind. She was an artist and just seemed to love us without trying very hard. Mrs. Griggs had a different attitude toward, toward teaching. And she scared the you-know-what, insert word not spoken in pulpit, there. <laughs> So I remember one day Mrs. Griggs handed out, I don't even remember what the project was or what we were supposed to be learning, but she handed out these big, they were like almost like paper dolls, right? They were cutouts with little outlines on them. And we were supposed to color them. And the template, of course, was for a blonde, blue-eyed person, which right away didn't include, certainly didn't include me and didn't include many others in the class. But the other thing was that the mouth was just a dot. 
Have you all seen these figures where the mouth is just a dot? And this, I don't know why this, of all the things, made me crazy. So I raised my hand and I said, Mrs. Griggs, yes, I was that kid. Mrs. Griggs, I don't think our mouths are just a little dot. Is it okay if we color a real mouth? And Mrs. Griggs got really angry. And she said that anybody who didn't follow her instructions would be punished. I followed her instructions. I assume everyone did. There was no other fallout. But I never, I never forgot this, this anger. And I learned in that moment, asking questions is dangerous. Not somehow being good means not asking questions. And in my mind, anticipating the things that wouldn't make anyone angry. As I came to be a parent of young children, I realized that I had questioned these things about being good and what goodness meant and what it meant to be told by the lady in the supermarket, oh, your children are so good which always made me want to say, oh, yeah, <laughs> but it's another story. But that same thing about what the expectation was for behavior and what lessons we keep reinforcing for one another. Goodness is what we do or try to do. Goodness as a way of earning love or earning acceptance. It was a long time in my life, and it took me coming to Unitarian Universalist, Unitarian Universalism to recognize in myself this yearning for the affirmation of the goodness that is, the goodness that we are because we are regardless of how much we do or try to do to be loved and accepted, we are loved and accepted. We are held even in those moments where we don't feel held. Or we feel that everything we see around us is just more evidence of the the bad seeds, more evidence of, of evil or loss or anger or the authoritarianism of even the occasional second grade teacher who Lord knows in hindsight may have had, probably did have her own difficulties and her own struggles with authority to deal with. So the question I ask us this morning and the spiritual practice that I lay in front of all of us is a practice of remembering goodness. Because if there's one thing that has happened to me in these last few years of of outright naked chaos in our external social systems, it is that it has made it harder for me to remember goodness.
I made it more challenging for me to have that instinctive reaction of saying, I look at you, I look at you, and what I see is the goodness, in spite of whatever we might do or hear about one another. Our faith tradition affirms this. And it affirms this for a lot of reasons. And I I guess this morning, one of the things I want to say to you or remind myself and remind you of that this affirmation is radical. It is revolutionary. It goes against almost everything most of us are taught. That we are what we do. That we are inherently depraved, as John Calvin would have us believe. We affirm and promote the inherent worth of dignity uh, uh, and worth and dignity of every human being. We affirm and promote compassion in all of our human relations. You're probably getting tired of me talking about the book of Genesis, but I'm on a streak, so here goes one more time. Ancient wisdom in the book of Genesis affirms that we are made in the image of divine goodness. That breath that the divine breathed into us is the divine breath. That breath that we breathe every moment of the day is the divine breath. And if the divine breathes, the divine is breathing human breath throughout all time. Buddha nature tells us that each of us carries enlightenment within us. These are very ancient traditions that affirm our own faith tradition. You know that often when we pray in Unitarian Universalism, we invoke the spirit of love, right? Spirit of love Spirit of life, we might say, you are the ground of all being. Help us in this moment. So I want you to know that Dr. Norbert Kopek, the creator of our Unitarian Flower Communion and a, and, a, and a minister in Czechoslovakia, I want to share with you the prayer that he spoke at the very first Flower Communion on June 4, 1923. Let us renew our resolution, he prayed, to be real brothers and sisters, regardless of any kind of bar which estranges. In this holy resolution, may we be strengthened knowing that we are God's family, that one spirit, the spirit of life, the spirit of love, unites us. I remind us, dear ones, we need not think alike to love alike. Dr. Kapek lived his theology. He spoke increasingly in resistance to the Nazi gaining of power in World War II Europe. Eventually, he was imprisoned, and he died in Dachau, the camp, as a result of medical experiments being conducted by the Nazis. 
But I want to say to you, as I look at each and every one of you here this morning, as you look at one another, I see examples of each of you, each of us, living our affirming, life-affirming theology too. I'm going to cite some examples, and if I cited all of them, we'd be here until 3 p.m., which would not be an act of love. (laughs) So much. (laughs) For the folks who are newly visitors or newly joined, you live your theology by bringing your presence and your questions and your energy Elizabeth Barrett Browning said, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee when I faithfully make coffee every Sunday morning. I love thee when I welcome visitors and old-timers to the fellowship. I love thee when I participate in small groups and share my questions and my doubts. I love thee when I teach our children and youth and help them learn the gifts of this faith. I love thee when I criticize. I love thee when I affirm. I love thee when I raise questions and wrestle with budgets. And forgive the minister one time again for being late with her assignments. You know who you are. We love each other, even when we don't know it, right? even when we don't recognize it. So I say to you, remember. I have this thing, you know, smartphones are probably from Satan, but they have good features, and one of them is that you can program reminders. So think of this. Think of programming a reminder every few hours in your phone. Remember goodness. What would our life be like if we remembered that, if we made it a practice to remember? And if theology doesn't float your boat, I got science. You were waiting for this, right? So researchers at Harvard, which is kind of beautiful because Harvard was sort of the Unitarian place for a long time, so I feel like their research still belongs to us. But this was a study done in in 2011, and it was actually really interesting because they studied this this, what they called the intuition to do good for others, the intuition to do things that benefited and collaborated, that made things better for other people. And they found that that's actually our intuition, that that's actually what we do. What we do when called by the fires in California or the caravan in Mexico or the latest outrage in our cities. What we do, what our impulse is to do the right thing. You know what happens, though, when we think about it? (laughs) The longer we think about it, the less likely it is that we will do good. I won't say any more. I'll just let you let that sink in. My dears... I will just close by saying, oh, I know, I want to tell you another quick story and then I'll close. 
So my Morgan and I, the, the snowstorm, I hope everybody survived our snowstorm this week. You're here, so you did. So Morgan and I decided to take a walk at Longwood because Longwood Gardens never closes, hardly ever. And it was, it's really close, even though the roads were bad. So we went and it, we felt really intrepid. <laughs> so we walked around for an hour and got, you know, had a wonderful, it was beautiful, it was snowing and cold. We decided to go to the cafe to get a warm drink. And um, Morgan wanted hot chocolate, but we didn't see any. So we got to the end, and, and Morgan ordered a cup of tea. And then we noticed that there were these packets, you know, the nasty packets of hot cocoa behind the cashier's register. Now, I looked at the cashier, and the cashier, so this was my judgment. She looked grumpy, okay? She looked really grumpy. We said, well, would it be okay if we switched our order and got the hot chocolate? And she goes, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. We walked over to the hot water urn, and the cashier followed us and said, you know what? That stuff's nasty. <laughs> There's a big urn of homemade hot cocoa. It's made with real cream, and it's so much better than this stuff. Go back and get that. And we're like, oh, my goodness, thank you. Dude, well, what do we owe you? We'll, we'll pay for the difference in the cash. Don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. There's nobody here by, the, by which I took to mean <laughs> the bosses aren't here. <laughs> but she, so she walked us to the urn and, and showed us how and made sure we got a sleeve for the cup. And the whole thing was so special because it was a small, but it just it made what it was already a beautiful time. It made it, it made it really lovely, especially since, in my infinite wisdom, I thought she was grumpy, right? I didn't remember, I didn't remember the goodness in that moment. I still smile, work, it's like this hot chocolate's really, 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 really good. So my dear ones, I did promise to close and I will. I will just say to you, goodness is our birthright and our essence. It is the light in us that will always recognize the light in each other. And hey. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be. I pray that this will be a blessed week of dancing Sarah's circle in many different ways. I pray that you will remember the goodness that is inside of you and that it will light your hours and days to come. Blessed be.